Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. I'm channeling Kim Basinger and Mickey Rourke. I almost said PJ O'Rourke. No, Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. Anybody? Somebody? Bueller? Bueller? Well, I'm I'm factually inaccurate by a half. Oh, come on, TC. This rings no bells. Kim Basinger and Mickey Rourke. I think I think it was the mid '80s, which I should know so properly. Dan, too young. Was that the sexy movie yes. with all the food? Uh, yes, in the kitchen. Nine and a half weeks. There you go. Nine and a half weeks. It bombed in the United States. Did it? It bombed in the United States because. Well, this is my. I didn't look it up, but this is my recollection. It was sanitized in the states. Oh, see, that's the problem. And the uncut version in areas where it ran around the globe broke box office <laughs> records, and then it's became, a 1986 American erotic that sounds romantic about right. drama. That <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. I love it. They had, I mean, in those scenes, they had to be doing it, right? I mean, how do they... Is this how you want to start the no, program? I'm sorry. No, Are I'm you sorry. kidding me? On a Michael, they have intimacy coordinators. Don't you know anything? I think they, they have protective gear. Do you Just want to talk to... about that now? Yes. This sounds like TC After Dark. What okay. are you doing? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the point being, we are nine weeks, not nine and a half, we are nine weeks from the midterm today. Yes, nine weeks. Labor Day is behind us. The midterm campaign has officially begun. And this weekend it featured, well, as I'm going to ask Dan to put it on the pad, a tale of two speeches, both of them delivered in my native Pennsylvania. You had President Biden in Philadelphia in front of Independence Hall on Thursday night. Then he returned uh, yesterday, Monday, in western Pennsylvania for a Labor Day issue uh, event. You had President Trump in Wilkes-Barre on Saturday evening. And I will tell you right up front, and I know that I will probably be in the minority of those listening to my voice right now, I thought that President Biden went too far. Now, Trump's remarks, vintage Trump, a two-hour address in front of thousands of people, his comments may end up nullifying. I thought he tried to, you know, keep himself tethered to the prompter. But the things that he said and, and calling Joe Biden an enemy of the state may nullify any overreach on the part of Biden. But I want to focus on President Biden because I thought that his remarks were largely inappropriate. I also realize that so much is going to happen in the next nine weeks, no matter what Trump said in Wilkes-Barre on Saturday night or Biden said on Thursday in Philadelphia, I'm sure is going to be overshadowed by events to come. But I think that Biden's words are going to linger longer. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. And we had a Saturday poll question with a lot of voting, which suggests I'm in the minority view, which is not unusual for my own website and poll question. That's fine. Which party's base becomes more enthused by President Biden's reference to MAGA Republicans? When when President Biden as he said in Wisconsin, as he said in outside of Pittsburgh, as he said in Philadelphia, when he refers to MAGA Republicans, to hear those words and his characterization, whose base is getting ginned up the most? Well, 14,959, can I say 15,000 of you, voted on Saturday, and it was a 60-40 result, Democrats. And I don't agree with that. 59.35% said Democrats, their base is the more enthused when President Biden intones reference to MAGA Republicans. I noticed that President Biden is is walking back and trying to uh, clarify what he's been making reference to. Headline today, USA Today. This morning's USA Today, Biden rejects criticism that he's dividing America. President Biden dismissed criticism on Monday that he vilified Republicans by calling President Donald Trump's supporters extremists and threats to democracy. I want to be very clear up front. Not every Republican is a MAGA Republican. Not every Republican embraces that extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with mainstream Republicans my whole career, he said, in a Labor Day speech in Milwaukee. And, and Thursday night when he spoke in Philadelphia, he had that throwaway line there. There was a throwaway line where he said, I'm not talking about all Republicans. Nevertheless, my beef with the Biden speech of last Thursday and the things that he has said subsequent to that is that he painted with too broad of a brush. I think that he made a deplorables mistake. And in the same way that I think that that was problematic for Hillary, I think it's problematic for uh, for Biden. And, and it's not as if he were speaking off the cuff. It's not as if he got himself jammed up. No, 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 no. By speaking off the cuff. This was with a great deal of deliberation. This was, by accounts that I've read, another speech where John Meacham was brought in to, to provide some guidance. A, a friend of mine uh, with whom I agree on this issue sent me a text over the weekend and said Biden's advisors had weeks to write that speech. To verbally indict the entire Make America Great Again movement was awful. He essentially called most everyone who voted for Trump a traitor. And he did it in front of a primary symbol of patriotism with props of two U.S. live Marines 
who must have wondered why they were there or worse. Holy crap. It's at least as bad as that Trump stunt with the military guys walking from the White House to the church. Such an unforced error. I know he's tried back to walk back the bad part parts, but who the F is making decisions there? I totally agree with those sentiments. Not everybody who voted for Donald Trump is a traitor. So what did, what did Biden actually say? What did he say Thursday night? Here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state to give power to decide elections in America, to partisans and cronies empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. Hey, anybody who breached the Capitol, in my view, is deserving of the law book being thrown at them and and all of the criticism of President Biden. MAGA forces, he said, are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there's no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders. They fan the flames of political violence. They're a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, and the very soul of the country. Not a lot of the people who voted for him that I know in my home state of Pennsylvania, many of whom are a butter knife away, are reflected in those words. And and to my friend's point, you can't deliver. You cannot deliver. This was another one of my, my poll questions. Um, where I had asked about the propriety of delivering what was such a political speech. I say you cannot deliver partisan remarks with the trappings of the office of the president. Those Marines should not have been there. There's a reason why they divvy up the fuel in terms of who's going to pay for it when Air Force One goes out on a mission that's part political and part official business. Happens all the time. President's going to go out and he's going to make an event on behalf of Congressman X, Y, or Z. At the same time, he's going to go cut a ribbon on a bridge. Oh, okay. Let's see. How much fuel does he need to get to the political event? And then in percentage terms, that gets picked up by the campaign. It was too political. Yes, I'm one of those who believes that the politics don't matter if the core of our government crumbles. You know, one is, is of primary importance. Totally get it. But there was a way to deliver those remarks without being so partisan, in my opinion. Don't take my word for it. I'm not alone. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, quote, in a primetime speech Thursday delivered in front of President, in, in front of Philadelphia's Independent Hall, lit in ghostly red, President Biden cast the most strident opponents of his administration as enemies of the American democracy. In so doing, Biden pushed an already- perilously divided and intolerant society closer to the brink using rhetoric similar to the very people he was calling out. That's the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I may as well have written it because that's exactly what I think. And they also said this, Biden's election was supposed to be a step back from the brink, a move away from a place where reason, debate, and truth lose all power and chaos and nihilism fill the void. To be sure, healing the lacerations to democracy inflicted by Donald Trump would be practically impossible. 
But many Americans, including some who did not vote for Biden, hoped and expected the new president would show measured leadership and would start the healing and certainly not salt the wounds. Instead, Mr. Biden chose to add his voice to the chorus pitting Americans against one another. Hey, even the Washington Post. okay, even the Washington Post. Here, as much as we agree with the president about the urgency of the issue, is where he fell short. Too often sounding more like a Democrat, big D, Democrat, than a Democrat, small d. You don't persuade people by scolding or demeaning them. That's how the president's speech landed for many conservatives of goodwill. And they they also made a point that he... uh, uh, they said that, you know, and, and I think he tried to make up for this in Milwaukee yesterday, that, that he omitted, says the Washington Post. It was disappointing that Mr. Biden chose to omit that the infrastructure, gun control and burn pits legislation he praised had passed with Republican votes. Pointing this out would actually have strengthened his effort to draw a contrast between MAGA Republicans and mainstream Republicans. Something else. Do you remember uh, Peter Meyer was a guest on the program recently? Peter Meyer is the Michigan congressman, Jerry Ford's, you know, Grand Rapids turf. Who lost his primary to a guy named John Gibbs, who is an election denier. And and now a seat that should be a, a you know, a Republican seat is probably going to end up in the hands of a Democrat named Hillary Shulton. Why? Because Meyer, a very conservative guy, voted to impeach Donald Trump, would not go along with the shenanigans. Why do I bring it up? Because Democrats spent $400,000 to help Meyer's Republican challenger, Gibbs. And yesterday, yesterday, the president was back in Pennsylvania, this time for Josh Shapiro, who's the Democrat running for governor with a, you know, a a significant lead, according to all the the polling and for John Fetterman. Talk more about uh, Fetterman's return to the campaign trail later in the program. But if you will recall, the Shapiro campaign elevated Doug Mastriano, the so-called Christian nationalist who ended up winning the Republican primary in Pennsylvania. So two examples I'm, I'm reminding you of where Democrats have uh, interceded into the Republican primary process and tried themselves to elevate the more MAGA of the candidates. Washington Post said Mr. Biden's clarion call for democracy would carry more credibility if he were willing to call out his own party for its cynical efforts to elevate some of the same MAGA Republicans he now warns will destroy democracy. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Washington Post. Wall Street Journal. Coming at it from a different angle, saying much what I believe. They said in his broadside, this is now the journal, in his broadside, Mr. Biden is maligning half the country and the 70 million Americans who voted for Mr. Trump. He includes a line that, quote, not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA. But that, too, says the Wall Street Journal, is a token gesture. He quickly moves on to say there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that's a threat to the country. 
And then the journal says, because I know a lot of you are saying, yeah, Michael, well, he's, he's right. Biden was right in everything he said. Well, hold on. The journal said the people who really saved American democracy after the 2020 election and on January 6th were Republicans. Governors, secretaries of state and legislators who resisted Trump's demand to change slates of electors to the Electoral College. Judges appointed by Trump who followed the evidence and the law in assessing claims of election fraud. Lawyers at the White House and Justice Department who refuted the claims of Mr. Trump's clown show legal team of Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell. And above all else, who else who else goes on this list? Mike Pence, the vice president who followed the Constitution in rejecting Mr. Trump's private and public pressure to stop the counting of electoral votes that certified Biden as the victor. Now, I'll give you a contrary intake, because I agree with The Wall Street Journal. The Washington Post, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, I didn't need to read any of those editorials. It was just comforting for me to know that. There was a sort of cross-section of close observers who saw it the way that I saw it, which was Biden, President Biden, reached too far in that big speech last Thursday night. And I believe, in contrast to the thousands of you who voted at my own website poll, I believe that Biden's words are going are gonna to uh, haunt the campaign. For how long? I don't know. Because there are nine weeks to go and other things are going to happen. So maybe we won't even remember. But as of this moment in time, his words had more sting and in a way that Republicans, like they didn't forget Hillary talking about deplorables, are not going to forget with Biden. And to quote my friend, it was an unforced error. He was not speaking off the cuff. A lot of thought went into this. They prepared for weeks. It's a speech that the president himself has been yearning to deliver for most of the summer, according to the published accounts. Well, I think it was a mistake. Now, I'll end with a contrarian take. Also posted at Smirconish.com today from The Atlantic, David Frum. David Frum thinks that Biden set a trap for Trump on Thursday night and that Trump walked right into it on Saturday night. For the 2022 election cycle, smart Republicans had a clear and simple plan. Don't let the election be about Trump. Make it about gas prices or crime or the border or race or sex education or anything, anything but Trump. Trump lost the popular vote in 2016. He lost control of the House in 2018. He lost the presidency in 2020. He lost both Senate seats in Georgia. In 2021, Republicans had good reason to dread the havoc he'd create if he joined the fight in 2022. One of the purposes of Biden's Philadelphia attack on Trump's faction within the Republican Party was surely to goad Trump. And it worked. Yesterday, meaning Saturday, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, Trump addressed a rally supposedly in support of Republican candidates in the state, Mehmet Oz for Senate, the January 6th apologist Doug Mastriano for governor. This was not Trump's first 2022 rally speech. He spoke in Arizona in July, but this one was different, says David Frum. So extreme, so strident, so ugly And so obviously provoked by Biden's speech that this was what led local news. Headline, Donald Trump blasts Philadelphia, President Biden during rally for Doug Mastriano, Dr. Oz in Wilkes-Barre. On and on it went. 
in a protracted display of narcissistic injury that was exactly the behavior that Biden's Philadelphia speech had been designed to elicit. To which I respond to David Frum, you'd have got that from Trump anyway. He just can't control himself. Can't. Uh, By the way, didn't appear to have any rust. I'm not embracing the things he was saying. I'm just looking at him as one who pays close attention to the spoken word. Guy was on his feet for two hours in front of tens of thousands, it seemed to me, in that Mohegan Sun arena. Big crowd. They came out. And I would argue that they were in part motivated to come out on Saturday night. Maybe they'd have been there anyway by the things that Biden said on Thursday night. So I don't I don't think that it's so easy as hey, good job, Biden. You set the trap and Trump walked into it and you caught the bear. No, I think you've inflamed not only the MAGA Republicans, but also other Republicans who say, wait, wait a minute. I voted for Donald Trump and I'm not I'm not supportive of those who broke into the Capitol. I don't want to overturn any election. I just can't live with Joe Biden and the spending and the inflation and what were the gas prices and the withdrawal from Afghanistan and Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. No, I think you've insulted all of those folks, too. And they're out there. 70 million voted. God help us if all 70 million are like the people who broached, breached the Capitol. But they're not, because most of the people who were there on January 6th stayed out of the Capitol. Okay, enough from me. I think it was a mistake uh, Thursday night. I think he went too far. That's what I think. And I'm here to defend that opinion. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Lots of folks disagree with me, which is perfectly fine. And among them from Huntington Beach, California, Tammy gets to go first. Go ahead, Tammy, take the floor and tell me what you most wanted to say. Michael, usually I agree with you. This time I do not. I believe that they are so, the right is so extreme that sometimes you have to go to that level to get the uh, truth across. And I think our democracy is in a grave danger, and they haven't backed off at all. And it's time for Biden to put the gloves on and get just as dirty as Trump. Do you have any problem with him doing so with the trappings of the presidential office, the Marines being there, this being an official speech, not a political speech? Uh, Slightly, yes. I do agree with you on that. Um, I will give you that. I think that was probably an overreach. 
I'd be more comfortable if he had delivered this if he had delivered this in the context of, you know, a, a Democratic uh, union hall like uh, yeah, I, I thought was going to be the case yesterday. Thank you, Tammy. Uh, Brooklyn, New York. This is Dave standing by. Hi, Dave. Yeah. Hi, Michael. I really love listening to you and I agreed with everything you said today. Uh, I am a Republican who reluctantly voted for Trump. I was willing to listen to Democrats, but when I saw the option, I had to go the other way. Um, and I don't regret it. I just you know, wish I had more options. Um, but you know, the whole thing here is these parties make so many mistakes. When, when you see people on the ropes, you know, when, when, when Democrats get momentum, they go and you see a speech like this. And it reminds me of the State of the Union where you already have Biden on the ropes. Republicans are ready to get back in November and take control. And what do they do? They give a point of view after the speech that completely is just as divisive as this speech was. When you see people on the ropes, you don't have to go to the opposite end of the extreme. It doesn't mean that everybody's now looking for the other side to be the polarizing side. It means people are sick of the polarizing and they want to get more to the middle. So I don't know who these advisors are for these guys, but it is laughable. And I can continue watching this carnival one more time. And I will say just one more thing. The reason why democracy is in trouble is not because of ultra-left, ultra-right, or whatever. It's because 55% of the people go out to vote. You want to see less of this? Get a higher percentage out there to vote, and then yeah. you'll see well, less of an issue with democracy. Because, because you, know, you know those who come out to vote are, are those at the ends of the, uh, the extreme. By the way, TC, take, check that out. Boris Johnson officially leaving, working a, a rope line of wow. staff, leaving number 10. I want to get in number 10. Like, you see the end of the alley with the fence and yeah, the guards? That's where you want to that's, be? No, that's where I have been. Oh, I'm the, that's as far as I'm you've the, been. I'm the tourist out there, face in the bars, kind of look so down the alley. So basically, you've been like number eight. But I, uh, people that I've done <laughs> advance with tell me that number 10 is so deceiving oh. because you only see that doorway. Oh. And when you get in there, that it's enormous. Well, that's fun. It's, it's like Blair House across from the White House. Very deceiving from the... But that's a I I, I will never achieve that. Look at I that, was, Boris Johnson, former. I was going to say former, former British prime former. minister. Well, maybe future. Who knows? I mean, he, he fashions himself as as a Churchillian could type. Happen. I I do not think I will ever cross that off my bucket list I mean, to get in number ten. Why not? Nah, my shot would have come with Boris. You never know. I never pursued it. It's interesting to watch, by the way, Liz Truss. And there are no, like, white males around her. I'm not saying it as a criticism. I'm just saying it as a, a milestone of for, for, for the U.K.? Wow. It is such a uh, testament to changing demographics, I think, uh, of England. Christine, you're on Long Island. Thank you so much. What did you want to say in response to my words to begin today's program? Okay, so it's really more of a question maybe to you. I did not see the entirety of the speech. Was he talking to the voters about the voters, or was he talking about lawmakers? Because that does make a difference to me personally. I don't know that I could just so easily say he was speaking to lawmakers versus voters, but I'll answer it this way. I know who he wasn't speaking to. He was not speaking to the 70 million who voted for Donald Trump. That's really I should have said that more clearly because that's one of my criticisms of the speech. This was not a bridge building unity speech. He was antagonistic to all of them instead of being antagonistic to a small fraction of them, in my opinion. And most of you disagree with it, which is fine. 
Okay. Got it. No, that makes See, sense. I understand your point. See, Christine, thank you. Uh, in Maryland, Kelly says Michael is way off on this one. Hi, Kelly. Please tell me why. Hey, um, I, so I'm a Republican. Just to preface this, I spent the weekend in beautiful St. Augustine, took my family there. But unfortunately, I had to spend more time than I wanted explaining to my 10-year-old why everybody was wearing F the president shirts and things along those lines. And the reason why you're off by saying that he's off base is why are we, why have we normalized or made it okay for this significant, well, not significant, but this vocal part of my party to be able to say whatever they want. And when the president who's being F-bombed every single day by people wearing t-shirts, flags, and all of the above says, no, F you guys, you're bringing us down. Now all of a sudden that's a problem. And it's like, so are we supposed to let this vocal group run the show? Are we not supposed to see some moderation come back into play? I just, it, it's like no one, everybody wants this chaos. I think, oh, think I, I don't, yeah, I don't. Wrong, then it's like you want the chaos. I, no, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want the chaos. And I condemn the people who, who have no grace, who have no couth, who have no manners. The idea that the president comes to town and somebody with a bullhorn a couple of blocks away was shouting out at him during the speech was embarrassing to me as someone who has spent his entire life in this area. I support none of that nonsense. Occasionally I will see the the uh, let's go Brandon, you know, a cleaned up version. Let's go Brandon, not F the president. I don't I don't like seeing those signs anywhere. And I'm worried about where we're headed. There's polling data from CBS News today that's listed on my website. Political violence, the percent who think it will increase. It's now 64 percent of us Uh, for the next generation. You the United States will be 54 percent, say less of a democracy. I, I just I don't think it was effective. I don't think it was the way to address this. I think that the president could have been much more olive branch-ish to Republicans who disagree with his politics or those with the politics of, of, other, of other Democrats. But I'm not looking to normalize any of the, the despicable behavior from a small fraction of those Republicans. Do you really want to condemn 70 million Americans? I guess that would be the, the question that I would, that I would ask. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.